Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. I like stories, so that's why I'm letting the song go on and on. <laughs> Good morning. Sanborn. Ninjan. I hope you're all well. So I have to just get this one out of the way for the sake of Umlu and other like-minded people. Okay, congratulations, pirates, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Anyway... So I just wanted to congratulate you, Sianbongela, and um, but what, but let's remember that it's Jesus who is Lord, not soccer. <laughs> anyway, good morning. It's so good to see all of you. It's really wonderful to be together uh, today. So Namhlanje, um, we we are starting a new series. And the series of sermons is basically around connections, you know, how we connect with people and how we are connected ourselves within, you know, connected to God, etc., etc. So it's really about how we relate. So it's around issues of that nature. Um, and looking at what is coming, I'm really excited. And, and I'm excited to, to actually hear all the different people that will be talking. So it's going to be good. We are starting on this topic. We're starting with this topic. I don't know if the slide is up. Yes. I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this sermon is about living graciously. Okay. It's about how we are to live graciously, what that means, etc., etc. So, and, um, you know, any, when you look around yourself, Sometimes you get tempted to think like that. Sometimes you think, Haibo, what is wrong with people around me? Why are they not getting it? You know, what, why are they just not understanding me? Why are they not understanding? But they're not really idiots, and we're going to look at why, etc. And the reason uh, today why I have Langa here, my wonderful husband, is because... <laughs> There couldn't be two people who are more different in this world. So we are going to tackle this together, because, like ourselves, yes. We're going to tackle it. Like one of the things he does is that when you talk, he talks as well. So, <laughs> so he helps the preacher. So, <laughs> yes, so anyway. So we're going to do this like ourselves, because we've had to learn to live graciously. Sometimes we get it right, and other times we don't. Yes. So, <laughs> you see? So, um, anyway, so what we're going to do now is, um, I'm going to just show a picture. Yes. Greet first, yes. Good morning, everyone. My name is Zaira, commonly known as, as Knox's husband. <laughs> yeah, we're very different. And um, the idea this morning is we're going to be as ourselves as 
possible because that's exactly the point. Um, yeah. yeah, this is All right. pretty short. Yes. So I'd like you to show a picture. There's a picture there, up there. Uh, picture. Like now. Sorry, guys, we're being naughty. <laughs> okay. Now, now, we have researched the topic of personalities and all of that stuff. We've so, been doing that for a while. Yes, yes. And we've both been doing it. But I'm going to ask you a question. So, there's a juice bros up for grabs here. Okay. <laughs> Right, now, I'm going to ask you to tell me which books belong to who? One, two, three, four. So there's, there's, okay, so the books on my left and the books on my right. So the books on the right. On, okay, let's see. Okay. I'll try and, and, and let people who don't know us guess this one. <laughs> okay, Daniel. That's me and that's him. The next person? Uh, Mlu? <laughs> okay, so, so it's me on this side. And the slime on that side. No, the other way around. Okay, look at the titles. Okay, all right, okay. I think, guys, the person who gets it is Mlu. Especially he said it with so much conviction. Now, if you look at the, if you look at the titles, Surrounded by idiots. I would have looked at that and walked right past because I'm like, oh my goodness How can you call people idiots? I mean really, you know, and then with me. It's like yes Why you act the way you do? And finding the job that you love through the person that you are with him The reason why he studied this is because he thought he was frustrated with people He was frustrated with people with the things that they do and he felt like he was just not being understood by half of the population. Whereas I studied this subject because I really wanted to get to know people so I can encourage them and help them better. Give it up from Lou. Okay. okay for me, it, it's very simple. As you can see, uh, go to the basic point. Why are people so stupid? <laughs> I want to know. And take note, I'm one of them. I need to understand quickly. Categorize into four, this is stupid one, etc. What is a stupid person? I'll just leave you with that thought. A stupid person is a person who endangers others without any benefit to themselves. For me, it's like, boom, makes perfect sense. And then you, you, you would see the others. For my wife, you want, she wants to know why are people going to endanger themselves in the first place? I'm saying, that's because they're stupid. So it gets to the point quicker. The point that we're making is that we read, we, we, we can't even stand reading the same subject the same way. I, I can't read her books, I just can't stand them. They're too drippy and too calm. I want something that's coming at me. 
so I can go to it and disagree or agree with it, we out. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think this is a good time to pray. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we want to thank you for your word because your word gives life. It is light, Heavenly Father. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we pray today that as we share today, that your word will illuminate those parts in our lives that need to be changed. And we thank you, Lord, that we rely on you to change us through your word. So we give you the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. So anyway, um, we'll skip right to, to starting on the... Yes, I know it there. <laughs> but we've used a lot of time. But anyway, so we have emphasized how different we are. And I think that's, that's quite enough. The idea here is that you will never be the same as other people. And there is bound to be, you know, there are bound to be disagreements and all of that. But with that, we also need to learn how to live with, with others. And um, I just wanted us to start off with understanding that each one of us is important. <laughs> each one of us has been uniquely crafted by God, and your uniqueness is meant to be just that. You are meant to be unique. You're not meant to be a copy of anybody else. So that is very, very important. We see scriptures like Proverbs 16, verse 4, uh, the A part of it in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse, verse 5a. So Proverbs says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. If you want to see the rest of the scripture, you can go in the Bible. But anyway, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. So each one of us has been made with a purpose. So we are here to fulfill something. And of course, the main purpose that we are here for is to see souls getting saved, is to advance the kingdom. But God has given us each a, a specific way, uh, you know, in which we are to live, live out that purpose, okay? And then Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And then for him, he was set apart to be a prophet to the nations. But for each one of us, it's a dot, dot, dot. So before you were born, I set you apart to be a da, da, da. Now, with all of this, it's important to understand that in as much as I am amazing and I'm wonderful, I mean, you can see how amazing I am. I'm just brilliantly crafted. I cannot do it by myself. I need other people to be able to fully live out what God has created me for. So that's why it is so important to understand how to then live with people. And just to also bring a little bit of balance, there are those who, who will um, maybe, you know, challenge you and get at your face and why are you like this? Why like? And then there are others of us who run away from people that we need because we feel like they are too harsh, they are abrasive and all of that stuff. In the meantime, we need those people to sharpen us, to help us grow, to help us be molded and all of that. So in talking about this, we are talking about how then, what is it that I need to do? How do I stay? How do I force or rather, how do I enable able myself to stay in those relationships that are tough and not run away from them or not cancel people and all the funny stuff that young people, I get to say young people, I'm 49, that young people do. So. <laughs> yeah, so... Necessity of having people around. When God said, 
For instance, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, two are better than one. So which means one is bad. Well, it's good. It's just that two is better. Better. When there's something to be worked on, one is not going to do well. You can be brilliant all you want, it's just not going to be good enough. So you need somebody else. And God did not okay, say... Sorry, sorry, I'm the one who's interrupting here. I just have to also put a disclaimer here. I know a lot of times when we, when we share the scripture, we share it in weddings. But it's not just about... We're not talking about being single or married. No, no. We're just Any talking about you and the need for other people. Yes. Thank okay. you. You're done with the disclaimer now. <laughs> Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can have the other up. But pity anyone, which is where I was coming from, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up because we always fall. Also, if two lie down together, they keep each other warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can, can defend themselves. A code of three strands is not quickly broken. So it's any partnership. Don't get carried away with the whole warm thing. Because <laughs> I see that's where you are. You keep okay. warm by buying more blankets. Yes, just, just take that out. For, for me, the first time where it really came alive, um, been independent quite a bit for a long time. Knox had been my friend for a long time. Nothing happening, just being friends for some time. Fast forward, now we're married the morning after. This is, the wedding was the day before and the day after, first day at honeymoon. We see, we like, like we said, we like a lot of things, but we like them differently. We see two horses across one of those lakes, uh, dams from uh, farm dams, so a bright white and a black one. So we want to get there and look closer, probably take a picture even. There are canoes at this, at this place. So I jump in, I invite her in. My head is already there, we're going. Because I've been young and now I'm old, I've never seen me not being able to pedal a canoe, right? That's, 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 that's my thinking. She got in, but it's, this canoe is too wide for me to pedal by myself. So we have to sit by, side by side, and she has her, or I have mine. Of course, strong. And then the thing, is it, remember the purpose for us is to go and look at those two animals, beautiful, and take a picture. The canoe start moving away, that's the purpose. <laughs> Why I'm just too strong to pedal. That was my first real, I kid you not, I realized how much change I have to make in that very instant. So we started pedaling at the same speed and kind of same rhythm until we reached on the other side. For me, that was instantly like, there is so much to happen. It could be a business, it could be a marriage, it could be in church, it could be at worship, it could be, it's the same principle. Okay, so that's what really needs to happen. So your life is linked to other people. It is people that God uses to create an environment for growth, for challenge, for encouragement, for inspiration, etc. 
be it his family, co-workers, friends, church family, unsaved and saved alike, God deliberately has created us to live with, work with, and socialize with people. So, this being the case, now it sets you up for a very, my frustration, which I'm still working on, it's I'm much better. You get to a point where you really want to have things done, and people are just not moving at your pace. Work, typically. Guys, can we just do this? We agreed needs to be done. We can't dodge it. But people still want to be encouraged to do stuff that we don't have a choice in doing. That's my frustration. I need to encourage myself. You need to encourage you. Now why are you making me encourage two people, myself and you? <laughs> I don't get it, seriously. So I sit there and say, guys, we were told to do this thing by this date. So you have to go through, I'm not feeling like, no, we're not talking about feeling. This is what needs to be done. It's those kind of frustration that after we've gone through that bit at home, you know, you Africans, your homes, and when the good name siblings and stuff, you know that. That kind of stuff, you know what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff makes you want to wake up one day and live far away from everybody. Let's see that island picture. The way you just want to say, don't you feel like this sometimes? Just say, I'm tired of them people. I've been patient with them. I've tried. I give. They take. I understand it's a relationship of give and take, but they're always taking and I'm always giving. I'm living them now. I want to sit like this. People, that's not what we call to. That's not what we call to. So just deal with it. All right. So with, with, um, with this now, I want to just take a Bible example that we often don't talk about, but I think it's a brilliant example to teach us on this. Um, but it spans through quite a few chapters and there's a lot of scriptures, so please just bear with me. I'll give you some background. And then if you are able to, I would like you to just go and study this. It's fascinating. Like I told you, I love stories. So to me, this was like, you, this is so juicy. This is so interesting. But anyway, we're going to talk about um, three people, specific, well, about four people. Uh, so it's Paul, Joseph, who was given the nickname Barnabas, and then John Mark. Okay. So this starts off with, if you remember in, uh, when, when uh, Paul was, was saved, so when Paul came to Jesus, he had been uh, persecuting Christians, right? So then he meets Jesus, he has this vision, and then he gives his life to the Lord. Okay, so he goes and Silas is with him. Now the church is afraid of him. Rightly so, because this was somebody who had killed hundreds, I think, of Christians up to that point. Even when Stephen was killed, he was holding his cloaks. He was like, yeah, you know. So, so he was this type of person. Now someone comes and tells them that this man wants to meet with you. He wants to be a part of the church. Nobody wanted him. He was an outcast. No one wanted him until a man called jo uh, Joseph 
went and spoke to him. Now, let me just give you Joseph's name. His nickname amongst the apostles was Barnabas. And Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Now, if just to give you a little bit of an idea, uh, the word son of, it's like, you know, in our African names where you have uno or ma or, you know, those. That one means someone who encapsulates the rest of the. So it's ma somebody is like, you are the person who is this thing. So now no kolo is the person of peace. So you encapsulate peace. So that's what my name means. But now here, it was, it was a nickname. So the person who encapsulates encouragement. Someone who encapsulates. So he was, when you read up on Barnabas, he was a, he was a bridge builder just in how he was. He was always encouraging, always, um, you know, he always had a heart for people. So he's known as this. This is the person who then goes to Paul. Goes to Paul and speaks to him. And then when he's done with him, he goes back to the apostles with Paul. And he states Paul's case. And he talks to them about what God had done in Paul's life and how important it is for Paul to come in, to come in and be a part of the church. So that's how that happened. That's how today we know about Paul and the things that God had done. And then secondly, after that, he is the one who was also the person responsible for Paul's um, uh, starting in ministry in a big way. Because he went and he looked for Paul. He went out of his way and he looked for Paul in a huge city until he found him. He called Paul to come and to help him in Antioch, in the work that he was doing in Antioch. And then in doing the work in Antioch, if you see in the Bible, you'll see that their names, it's, it's usually Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. But at some point, and the reason why they did that is that the person who is listed first is the leader and the other one is the helper. After a while, this changed. It was now Paul and Barnabas. So Paul was now the leader and Barnabas was submitted to Paul. But we don't hear anywhere about Barnabas's complaining. We don't hear anywhere where he wants to leave because now Paul is the one who is leading. In fact, he supported the work under Paul. So this you see in the book of Acts, right? So now that just gives you a little bit of a background to this relationship between the two of them. So when we look at um, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 13, we hear of a certain young man called John Mark. And um, here it says, Paul and his companions then left Papos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. So Paul and his companions, Barnabas was one of the compa companions. So this young man here, John Mark, leaves them, okay? And if you look at this uh, properly in the message, in the, second, in, in the next slide, it says that from, from Paphos, Paul and company put out to sea, sailing on to Perga in Pamphylia. That's where John called it quits and went back to Jerusalem. So this guy thought, I am leaving. So what's interesting is that we don't hear anything in the Bible about why he left, but we know that he left. 
And of course, there are many scholars who, ha who give their view as to why it is that he left, but we won't go into that. So now he leaves them. And then let's pick it up again in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 to 41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the, spirit, by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Now here's something interesting. These two men who had been working very closely had a huge disagreement. And when you look at this, apparently the, the Greek said that they had a violent, <laughs> loud disagreement. So we don't know whether there were, there was five-fold ministry or anything like that, but yeah. You see what is happening here. The purpose was good. All these were men of gospel. All these were men after God's heart. All these were men who were spreading the gospel across the world. But they still had disagreement on how they viewed how the purpose must be carried out. So you, you shouldn't get to a point where, or rather maybe put like this, you need to accept that in your environment, you're gonna be a leader or be led. And incumbent in that is naturally it's gonna cause you to feel some type of conflict. It's not so much that you're gonna be fighting with people because you disagree with the purpose necessarily. Sometimes it's just gonna be how the purpose needs to be carried out. So we're sharing the scripture so that from a biblical point of view, so that you can see that it's biblical to have disagreement. And then what is then gonna be the response? So that's, that's where we are now. So that unless you start thinking they were fighting, it means they were ungodly. No, they were still in, on God's purpose. They were still all right. They were still all delivering on the gospel. But we find them fighting violently. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so here you have this. And it's interesting to see that they decided to part ways. Sometimes that is what needs to happen. Sometimes you do need to part ways. But now they parted ways. And I thought that was the end of it. And you know, okay, so this big church split, blah, 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 blah thing. But no, it doesn't end there. I found some very interesting scriptures in the Bible. Towards the end of Paul's life, we see him writing again about Mark. We see him writing specific things about Mark. Okay. So one of the things, firstly, to understand before we get into, into some of the things that Paul writes, it's that Mark was Barnabas' cousin. So John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. So he took him under his wing and he went with him. But let's look at Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. This is Paul speaking. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. 
So this is now Paul recommending Mark to the others. So it seems that it could have been that Paul's heart was changed in that space in between. Because at the, remember when the fight happened, it was early in ministry. And just think of the context of that time. These people were afraid because their lives were in danger and they needed to preach the gospel. Here's someone who deserted them. So Paul was, was unclear about this man's character and what he was going to do, whether he was going to desert them when they needed him, etc. But here, he's now saying that they must welcome him. So there must have been a change in Paul. There must have been a change in Mark as well. And then, um, and then the next scripture, uh, Philippians 1.23 says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you greetings, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So he took him in as his fellow worker. And he loved him and he recommended him for the job that was, that was being done. I imagine Paul in this time when he was saying, I'm not going with this guy. Because in Acts, it's Paul who's writing. So he's writing about it's, how he it's, felt. Yeah, it's Luke who's writing. Not before that, it's Paul who's writing who's saying, he deserted us. He left mm, us. Mm, mm, yes. So that was his perspective. At that time, what do you think? He was thinking, idiots. They want to take this guy with us, the guy who left us there. He's going to do the same thing. Yeah. And first of all, Barnabas is recommending this guy because he's his cousin. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm having none of this. Yeah. None of, have you, have, does this sound familiar? Yeah. Or is it just me? When you, when you get to that point, especially if you're a leader in the project, you're like, no, 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 no. This guy comes late. This guy gives shorty work. We only have two days. Yeah? Is it just me? Idiot. I'm not working with this guy. There's no way. Whenever we come to worship, he tries and practice on stage. Practicing is at home. The songs were released two weeks ago. You come into practice on stage. Have you felt like that? Just me? Let's take this. When you are being an idiot to yourself, you know the causework. You've been given three days to study and write the exam on the fourth. You go gallivanting to your sister's wedding. You come back with two days left. You're the one who evaluated that it's going to take you four, three days to study and write on the fourth. Who's the idiot now? I've done those things. That's why I went for some time and searched, and ultimately I understood where the idiot is. Because you have to be cognizant of what is happening around you and what is happening in you. That's why we found Paul having looped and come all the way around and say, actually, at that time, I was the idiot. So we, we, we tend to be so... There's, there's a boss of mine who, who told me something that I've kept for some time. He said, we always tend to judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. I intended for the mission to go well. That's why I excluded Mark. 
but you've forgotten that your actions, you were a Christian persecutor. You persecuted Christians. Because now my intentions have changed. I'm now good. So we need to be careful of that. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then just in carrying on to see what happened to Mark when grace was extended to him by Barnabas. Uh, let's look again at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. He became a friend to Peter. Uh, she say, Peter says, She who is in Babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. And then lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, Paul says, now, give you, to give you perspective of this particular scripture, Paul was writing right at the end of... Um, of his life. He was, he was imprisoned in a dark and dingy prison. And um, so he's asking for specific things to be sent to him. He asked for his parchment and this and that. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Now, something that started so badly ended so beautifully. And do you know the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark? It's written by this man. This one who was firstly a deserter for whatever reason, but because grace was extended to him by Barnabas, who was known to be someone who is patient with those that others are not patient with. Someone who is able to, to be a particular way to them so that then he can bring out the gold that is inside of them. So now we're just going to look a little bit at what is our response. So what are we to do so that we can be those people who live graciously with others, who extend grace to other people? So what does it require, babe? Baby now. <laughs> what was that? It was so riveting. Exhilarating. Exhilarating. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> Living graciously requires several things. Like everything else. You have to, if, if, if you forget everything, you have to be deliberate. Mm -hmm. You have to be deliberate. You have to be deliberate about where you are, what you think, how you feel, etc. But it requires a conscious, deliberate effort to renew one's mind. In other words, it has to be an inten intentional act. You, you have to want to do it. This is where I've battled for a long time, knowing I feel at peace when I pray. Then I ask myself, why then do I not pray? Yeah. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. Or is it just me? I know I feel better when I've prayed. I know on my day, in my days all over the show, if I did not give myself a moment of quiet time in the morning. Yeah. So why can't I just do it? Yeah. Why am I like this? So I, I've, when, when I look at, look at growing up, I mean, from 30, now 50, there's been a journey, it continues to be. Why do I do this thing? 
at the core of it, I'm not being deliberate enough. So I wait to feel like doing stuff. That's a killer. Waiting for the right emotion. There was a pastor in this church, one of the ex-pastors we've had. He says something like, there are two times to pray. You pray when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Which is basically all the time. So you have to be deliberate about renewing your mind. So which means there is no I've arrived. You were here and it felt good. And I always imagine it from, it's, it, it's a topography. I, I, I step here and I see here. Oh, beautiful. And I go, I see further. As, as the higher you go in understanding who God is and how he works, is the better you become. What is wonderful about God, he's one of only who's going to help you for you to get the prize and reward you for having got the prize. Yeah. Other people will say, like, no, so standing here, oh, it's gonna guess, it's gonna guess. And then you, you make your effort and it gives you some juice. And that's naturally how we understand things. We need to get out of that mentality. We need to understand that God doesn't function like us. No one is saying deliberately, on your own strength, renew your mind. The gospel is ask God to help you renew your mind. But you just have to be deliberate to position yourself for God to renew your mind. So that's what you have to do. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Oh Lord, help me. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Note, Colossian 3, 12, open message. Put on then. So it's not going to be enough to want to put on that. You have to stand up. You have to put it on. On you. The tendency is we want to put it on others. Asbo, no, put it on. Jesus on you. Why are you responding? No. The command is you put it on you. Hmm. Put it on you. Yes. So it's a deliberate yes. action. And I like the, the message one, which says, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to have to, no, it's here. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even tempered, content with second place quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And um, yeah. The wardrobe God picked 
out for you. Yes. Imagine yes. this, you wake up in the morning yeah. and God says, today you're going to work, but please wear pajamas. <laughs> That's what God yeah. is going to do sometimes. You're like, what for? But this, like, you're wearing PJs today yeah. to work. You're like, but, but, but. Mm. You have to put it on. Yeah. And what is significant here is that the Bible says it's your basic all-purpose garment. That's love. Above all things, love. You, make, make, you may make mistakes in how perhaps you speak to someone, but you, if you speak to them in love, that is the, that's like the minimum requirement. It's to speak to them in love. You know, as we were singing the song, um, now what that means is that God is wearing um, strength like clothing or, or a blanket, right? But then God is strength itself. So the putting on that we are being told of here is that we are to trust God that we will put this on and become it so that it's not going to be a thing that you put on and you take off. You know the joke that, that people make, Uguti, when, when they're saying, I pay like it's the end of Sunday, I'm taking off. I'm taking off Christ. I'm taking off Christ. You know, come here, I'll show you. I'm taking off this Christian thing. But the putting on that the Bible is talking about is the one where daily I trust God. Lord, help me to put this on so that it becomes a part of me. I put it on such that it becomes who I am because I want to live like this. Because if you have compassion, if I have compassion and I speak to people with compassion, it may be that maybe it's a, it's a challenging discussion. So let me give you a, a real situation, okay, like a, an example of a situation. Naturally, I don't like, I don't like uh, to confront, you know? So I have to care front a lot, which means that I have to put compassion on so that I can then be able to speak to the person because I know that I care about the person, okay? So what I would naturally do is that I would avoid the, the situation until a few days have passed and it's gone, okay? So that's what I would naturally do. But if I put on compassion for everyone, even the person who feels like they are uh, strong-willed and they want their way and all of that stuff. Putting on compassion is that when I see that there's something in their life that is going to trip them up, compassion should then lead me. The love of God and the compassion that I have when I speak to them should lead me to actually address the thing that, that they have because I'm looking at their good. Yes. I'm looking at their good, not my comfort. So if it's love and compassion that drive me, I'm not looking at my comfort, because at the end of it, being uh, sometimes when you're conflict averse, it's about me, actually. It's not about Selfish. other people. It's about I'm protecting myself from, a, 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 from discomfort. I'm protecting myself from feeling uncomfortable and having to deal with this person. How are they going to look at me after this? What if they come back at me and they challenge me? What if it's actually more about me? But compassion is about the other person. Yes, and me on the other side, the complete opposite. 
Why? Why did you do this? I want the answer and I wanted yesterday. You offended me. I am not going to think about whether I am now offending you. If you're soft, I didn't make you soft. That's the attitude. Gross. Gross, people. I know some of you are like that. Like me. You don't act all holy now. <laughs> we, we're here to learn together. This stuff that we prepared here is not just for some and not others. You have to find yourself in these things. And typically, some of us carry our own background on how we were raised. And that's how we, I was raised by a mother who's going to say, hmm, go brush your teeth. Your mouth smells. Yeah, because in her mind, you can't be going out and smelling for other people when she hasn't told you that your mouth smells. She's direct. She wants to solve the problem. So I thought, huh, this works. And it's quick. <laughs> this whole thing of two, three days, miring and stuff. My heart, no. But we have to grow up. It's not about you. I have learned from Trisha and my wife, this whole thing of care fronting, they built that term between the two of them. Care fronting, what's that? <laughs> Confront the issue. No longer you care front the issue. I'm like, ah! We all have <laughs> to put on the garment. Put on the garment of love. In as much as being overly and delays, but being too quick destroys, you have to be gentle. Yes. So kindness, humility, quiet strength. So you don't have to be loud about it, but it's just quiet strength, discipline, etc., etc. You can all read, so it's right up there. But the point of it is this: it's that when we desire to be like this, when we desire it and we trust God for it, we pray about it, we pray about it, we read the word, and we determine that we are going to be like this in our daily life. We become it. Uh, the, I, I just would like us lastly, well, not last, last, but last before last, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14 again, but in the TPT, it says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. So let's pause there for a moment. When Christ rose from the dead, he was victorious. So his resurrection is yours too, which means that you can do all things through who? Because he resurrected, he defeated. He defeated the foes, especially the ones that are here. He defeated all that. So his resurrection is your resurrection. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned. Amen. It's the wrong one. But anyway, it, it, the, the point, wait, have you got it? It's the wrong one, but it's okay. It's my fault. No, it's not. But anyway, <laughs> but let's read it anyway. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned in the, in the, at the place of all power, actually, yeah. Honor and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Okay? So basically, bazalwane zithandwa zenkosi. 
I'll translate that. My brothers and sisters, beloved of God, let us spend time on renewing ourselves, on putting on God and putting on these things. Because the distractions of the natural realm are just that. They are distractions. They are distractions and they will take us nowhere. As entertaining and as great as they are, they are to be treated as that, as entertainment, which needs to have a fraction of your life, but it is not meant to drive your life. There's a difference. Because if we do not then deliberately go after what God speaks about in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, if we don't go after those things, then we are not partaking of that which Christ has died for and risen for us. Yes. Yeah, now, so I, please, I, please I just read want, Colossians 3, 12 to yeah, 14. I just TPT. wanted to emphasize this part. And regardless of what else you put on, be it you're the boss, which you must be, or be it you are a subordinate, you, you must be in that particular circumstance, be it a comrade runner, be it you are helping out at home, it doesn't matter. Regardless of what else you put on, but put this all-purpose government, government on top of love. This, you are not called to stop being a strict boss. You are not called to quit everything else and just be a church person spending all your whole life here. That's not what you're called for. You're called at home, you're called at school, you're called on the street, on your neighborhood, everywhere. That's why the, 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 the word says, regardless of what else you put on, put this on top of it. Let this be the dominant feature of your love. So that, in fact, I would say, put it underneath so that everything floats on top. So there's love underneath whatever you are. A loving boss, a patient boss, a kind boss, a strict boss. I know we have a tendency. Be careful on how you lead people. Be careful. People get injured. People get broken. What is said at work. You've seen it being done to you. As you grow older into these power positions, remember the words that come out of your mouth, if you're in a position of authority, what it does to another person. You have to be careful of that. So in being whatever else you are, have love. Amen. Amen. And, um, and we're going to close. In conclusion. Yes. We're going to close with a quote from Matthew Henry. I do apologize. I don't think it's there. Is it? Again, it is. If it's there... I put it on. <laughs> yes, if it's there, yes. you put it on. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we had load shedding, so, yeah. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Clothed what? in humanity is that calf and writing or kindness. <laughs> right. Now, Matthew Henry says this. We have all of us something which needs to be born with. And this is a good reason why we should bear with others in what is disagreeable to us. We need the same good turn from others which we are bound to show them. 
which basically means yes for those we who all don't understand have something that is irritating we have something that is annoying about ourselves we have something that requires working on mm. so when you approach other people who have you been in a meeting where it's time for questions and somebody says mine is not a question it's a comment <laughs> Maybe it's just me. It's late, it's half past four, it's Friday afternoon. <laughs> it's time for questions. If there are no questions, <laughs> can we go home? <laughs> I have a comment. No. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I'm not great. They are not great in that moment. Let's be kind to each other because what really helps me in times like that, like I'm, I'm serious, guys, I'm still working at this. I really want to work more. I'm working hard. I'm submitted to it. I'm accountable because it's been a long journey. What helps me is understanding how far Jesus has taken me yeah. to get to where I am. Yeah. I think we should close with this so that you understand, so that you can contextualize your own background. I was raised by a single mother, an airwall father, praying grandmother. I was raised by uncles, one very hard and harsh. His nickname was Hitler. I kid you not, that was my uncle's nickname. And the other one was soft and gentle and kind. His name was Hosea. That's the kind of background I'm coming from. Never seen a single unit family. Choice Associated 101. That is my background. I'm one of the, I'm kind of, my father had like 13, 14 children. I don't know, I lost count at some stage. I'm number six or seven. I'm never really sure because some keep on popping up from everywhere. I kid you not, I'm not joking. This is what I'm saying to you. Look into your life, close, and see what God has done in your life. Just before you look at other people, once you see what God has done in your life, you're like, hold on. God has been so good, has been so kind, has been so patient, has been so real, has been so tangible, has been so present all the time. When I least deserved it, let me give other people a chance. Let me give other people a chance. Of course, I married up. As we... Okay. Oh, you want my background too? Okay. Okay, as I share my background, can we please just pass the, the communion? Okay. Well... <laughs> Well, I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm different in the sense that I had my mother and father have always been together. Uh, I'm trying to summarize. Yeah, one of four girls. I didn't have brothers, so I didn't grow up with other men around me. So everything around me was always gentle, soft, quiet, polite. Um, we didn't even call poop by its proper name. Um, you know. 
<laughs> yes, we gave a name to poop. Even saying poop was a problem. So, you know, so I grew up very differently. Got radically saved when I was 10 years old. And it was the Bible, prayer, the word, all of that throughout my life. So um, the difference, though, is that in, in, in all that beauty and that Sorry, wonder. Babe. I drove taxis as well. I was carrying a gun at 14. It goes on. <laughs> what I find amazing about that is that as soon as you said I drove Texas, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> but anyway, the point that we're making here is that how we've grown up, uh, you know, and, and our backgrounds, they shape who we are. There are very good things about it, but there are also some things that are not so good. So that's why it's important for us to put on what the Bible says, to renew our minds, and to read, by the way, because that book, The Care Fronting, we read about it in a book that was written about how to confront in a caring way, how not to run away from disputes, but to address them in a caring way, and how not to be harsh when you are addressing. You see, the book has been in the house for about 15 years, but I'm the only one who has read it. <laughs> I've got you and Trisha to tell me what it says. <laughs> anyway, right. So, you know, um, on a serious note, as we're about to take communion today, um, I would like us to just take a moment and to reflect on our own lives, each one of us, just to reflect on who we are and, and how we've been when it comes to relationships, how we've been relating to people. And just think in that, think about Jesus and what he actually did for us. That one of the key reasons why he, why we are grateful for why he went to the cross is because it enables us to form relationships with everybody regardless of who they are. Relationships as in, we are able to be family with people from all walks of life, people who are not quite like us, people who may have tattoos all over their bodies, or people who may wear hijabs, or people who may, you know, dance funny, whatever it is, people whatever, you know, whoever they are. But God has given us the grace to enable us to be a part of a family, His family. So I'd like us to just reflect on that and, and to think about the actual sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that He was, he was brutalized before going to that cross and on that cross, he was brutalized so that you and I could be family, so that you and I could be family with him, with the Godhead, that we could share in his character of being humble and patient, compassionate, kind, long-suffering, So I'd like us to just take the, the wafer.
which represents bread, which represents the body. And I'd like us to just break it, remembering that his body was broken for us so that where we are broken, we can be made whole. And let's just partake of it. And Lord, we thank you that you were broken so that we would be made whole. We thank you, Jesus, that you said yes to the will of the Father to die for us, the horrible death that you died. And we thank you, Lord, that because you were broken for us, we are made whole. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to put on the compassion that you had as we partake in your body, help us to partake in your compassion, in your kindness, so we can be able to live graciously. And I'd like you now to just take the cup, just open it and have it. And we thank you, Lord, for the blood that was poured for us. We thank you for this blood that you started bleeding even before you went to the cross. We thank you. We thank you that we are cleansed, that we are made whole, but above all, that we have the opportunity to become your children because of the cleansing power of your blood. We are the children of the Father because we have been cleansed by your blood, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that we have a covenant to partake in your character. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.